podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everyone, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. You, uh, you're not leaning in as hard as you used to. Well, weeks. yours was simple. It felt like it would have been gaudy to kind of then uh, <laughs> spruce you know mine what? up any. I'd like to hear it, though, so I'll try it again. <laughs> All uh, right. Welcome to Star Trek Next Conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy! <laughs> uh, you know, I think you uh, made the right decision to go with the with the longer one later. I think that was good. It's kind of like a terrible acting exercise. It was beautiful. It really, I think uh, people now know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, <laughs> they know they know what to expect from you. You know the theatrics. You're you're sure. you're, you're you know. I mean, you really cut your teeth on the boards, Andy. So I think people uh, should know That's so that. True. I'm a child of the theater. There's no taking it out of me. You're just pro- you're, you're always projecting to the to the back row so that they have the experience <laughs> of the front row. <laughs> Forget about the front row's eardrums. <laughs> uh, Tough luck, front row. <laughs> But it is, uh, it is uh, we're here, it's Star Trek The Next Generation, we're talking about season six, uh, episode, uh, I don't even know, seven, six, something like it that. It is episode seven. There you go. It is, uh, it's Rascals, everybody. Uh, just, a, just a kid-friendly episode of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, I will answer the question none of you are asking. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Uh, yeah, I enjoy it to a degree. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I will, I will, I will say I've watched this episode a tremendous amount. I'm a little surprised that wasn't more definitive. Like I've watched it. I mean, I don't know if it was like on a VHS with another episode that I was frequently watching. Like if it was on the like maybe maybe I taped like a it double episode like, maybe I taped it like with like on the relics tape you know oh I see so it was just became like a thing of like I'll just leave it on and it's the greatest because like relics true Q and rascals I've seen those three episodes a hundred times so you wouldn't you wouldn't select this one out of nowhere oh I might. Uh-huh. If like if like the night before I had just watched True Q, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting option because it's pretty true to the characters, and yet it's not the actors. So <laughs> yeah, you know, and I didn't figure it out until I was reading Nemechek's book. But uh, I'll, I'll we'll talk about it when we when we get to that part. Yeah, but uh, you know, look, Doctor Trek solving uh, decades old mysteries for me. Um, that being said, Andy, I think we should hear what what the what the galactic uh, federational uh, people who decide that they want to rate us five stars <laughs> what they think about our show. So let's head over to the Admirals Club. <laughs> and Whoa, we left. The door's broken again. Although there's I actually uh, there's someone, a someone new... keeps coming out when we're going in, it's crazy. 
<laughs> there's a new sound if you want to use it uh, uh, that's in today's sounds that uh, might be appropriate right now if you want. Uh, there is <laughs> a new sound. we can get sound. to it later if you yes, like. Yes, that'll be... It will, you'll hear it, everybody. Very good. You can't, like, you, um, can't, like, you can't, like, play the sound made for the moment before we talk no, about I the sound's it. origin. No, I understand. You have to, you have to introduce it as an anyway, origin story. We're in the Every Admiral's Spider-Man... Club. Every Spider-Man movie has to begin with the origin. Except <laughs> no for the, how many times you've heard it. Except, except for, for multiverse. Yeah. No Marvels. Oh, that's true. That's true. They didn't there. They just went to uh, Civil War and then jumped in. Homecoming. Yep. Um. Okay. Uh. They're both from Down Under today. Okay. Uh, oh wait, what am I doing, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> How do they get into the Admirals Club? Well, I'll answer, I'll answer the mystery, everyone. Uh, all you got to do is leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can say whatever you want, as long as it's five stars, and uh, you'll be in the Admirals Club and maybe even singled out here as a, as, a, as a true member of the Admirals Club. So, Andy, you say we have two from down under, which means someone went into Australian iTunes and, and screenshot it. That's correct. And mailed it on over to us. That's how we see it. If you're international and you're like, how do I get read on the show? Screenshot your review in Apple Podcasts and uh, email it over to whatever our email address is. <laughs> SDTNCpod at gmail. There we go. Com. Um, our first is Andrew Shrabat. No, Shrapat. Uh, I'm sure that's wrong, too. Neither of those best. can be right. Shrapat? Um, there it's it is. With a CH. It's not there. Uh, hi, Matt and Andy. But let's face it. Hi, Andy. I had another listener that has no problem with long podcasts. The longer the better. An off-topic discussion. I enjoyed the pre-episode discussion in Hellbags, as many of the listeners often make points more eloquently than I can and are more motivated than I am to prime correct Matt. Oh, um, wait. Who is this speaking? Is this Andy talking? Um, I mean, Matt is so often wrong. Why this, isn't Andy given his due? This must be Andy talking because <laughs> a, it's not in an Australian accent, and b, you're right. A, I really made it. I, really, I don't know what I'm doing. But you were talking. I feel like I, you were I saying go things. Back to the top. You were saying things that Andy would say, but <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were reading something. Given that Matt seems to have been on the same nerd level as most of us in regards to TOS, TNG, DS9, and Voyager during his formative years, I was shocked to find out that he had never watched Enterprise. Me too. I felt betrayed to learn this and stripped him of the honorable title of Dr. Track that I had bestowed upon him <laughs> after previously having stripped it from Larry Nemechek. Because of his unreadable run-on sentences uh, such as this one. Uh, that's beautiful. Um, can you please ask Matt why in all things Trek Nerd did not watch Enterprise? Anyways, keep on pumping out the great content about the shows and movies that we all love. I feel like I'm particularly off on my accent that's today. Okay. It's it's their uh, it's their best uh, it's Australian dollars, twenty three dollars and eighty two cents at the time of writing that I spent it's oh, it's the best um, $23.82 I spend uh, each month after Netflix, Disney Plus, Internet, and Cable TV. <laughs> oh, hey. Yes. I would pay an extra... I would pay extra for a Red Dead Redemption episode. Aussie Andy. <laughs> so it is Aussie Andy. It's another Andy. There you go, Aussie Andy. <laughs> it's my it's my Australian counterpart. Part. It's in the it's in, in the multiverse. That's uh, that's me in Australia. Oh, well, I hope you're having a good uh, winter. <sighs> Um. Uh, what uh, was your reason for not watching Enterprise, Matt? What was my reason? I didn't love. It's the it's the bane of my existence. Everyone, I don't. 
I had a real problem with them going backwards in the timeline. Oh, of course. Because we had just gotten so, like, it had, it had been woven so carefully, this tapestry right. of, like, you know, DS9 has the Dominion War. You have a TNG movie that takes place at the same time and has to reference the Dominion War. And then you have, um, you know, Voyager out there during the Dominion. Like, it's, like, all, like, this huge thing being woven. And then they're, like, uh, you know what, let's just, uh, let's just go back to uh, before Kirk. <laughs> and I was like, ah, this is not not a good idea, everyone. But you know, look, we've done a few, quite a few episodes. Not quite a few, but we've done episodes in the Patreon so far. Uh, season one, we're into like episode five or six or something. And and I, I can say, kind of sorry I didn't watch it originally. I'm really enjoying them. I really, and maybe it's because of our expectations were so low, but uh, and also that you know there, there's. A mixed bag of quality with the new stuff, some which is great, some which is not as great, but um, it's really satisfying <laughs> I found so far. Uh, and when it's not, you know that we say so, guys. Um, the next Admiral Admittee is Sass, who writes us, uh, also from Australia, <laughs> my boyfriend is an idiot. Um, <laughs> and she writes us, uh, my partner. Uh, Damien from Brisbane made me write this. <laughs> <laughs> and the title was If I Must. <laughs> uh, that's very funny. Thank you, Damien, for forcing your significant other <laughs> to join the Admirals Club. I'm sure he was lonely and, in there. Uh, Andy, if you're, if you're going to do the Australian accent, it's Brisbane. Brisbane. Yeah, here you go. Is it? Is it, it is. What, what, do, do I really deserve That's how uh, I say it. Is is anything that I've done with these accents uh, could it could it be more offensive? <laughs> no, look, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to help making the tiny you. corrections isn't going to help I'm me at this point. I'm, I'm so you. far off. Look, uh, you know, you're, Brisbane. Again, you're 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 brought up on the is boards. Damien said the same. Dis- Damien from Brisbane. You know what? I wanted to throw this out to you guys. This is going to irritate Matt. Gosh. If anybody wants to send me a voice recording. And then, like, send me the hail, and then send me a voice recording of them reading it. I honestly will really work on getting the actual accent down. Well, well, I don't understand why you just wouldn't, like, just throw on some Australian content and listen and watch. You know, I, uh, it's hard to apply it unless you really, like, you're really getting into the deep. But, like, if they were going to send us a voice memo, why wouldn't we play their voice memo? <laughs> Because they want to hear me say the... Uh, oh, I see. Okay, so look, if you're from Australia uh, or New Zealand even... <laughs> look, uh, a lot of, you... there's another hail in there. A lot of people are requesting me saying it in the, my terrible accent wherever they're from. Look, I, I, again, if you want to hear Andy try to do an impression of you, all you got to do is send us your <laughs> email recorded, I guess is what you're asking. It's like guess your weight at the fair. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Look, I told you you were gonna you were gonna poo poo it. I'm just throwing it out there, and maybe people out there, well, you know, don't don't want to poo poo it. They, maybe they're excited about that. Option. All right. Well, I leave it to all of you to do whatever it is you'd like to do. We'll see if we even get one. If all we right. get zero, then I will assume that your evaluation uh, is correct. What if we get um, What if we get one that is meant to just be a voice memo, but you yeah. decide that it must have been an email. 
and you're going well, to just listen to it I, over and over again for weeks. I think that's that's a really good point, Matt. I think they're going to have to specify in the hand <laughs> that that's what they want. <laughs> what, a, what a dumb extra hoop. <laughs> what do you care? You don't read any of these things. Uh, true. I mean, I hear them. <laughs> you hear them, but I, I won't read and you respond as, as you that's as you've true. chosen them. Uh, yes. All right. So that's the Admiral's Club, everybody. That is the Admiral's Club. And that was the Admiral's Club. Time to go to the President's Circle. Here we are. It's the President's Circle. If you want to be a part of it, head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC and become a member of the President's Circle. Not only will you get four bonus episodes every month for being a president, but you will also get uh, priority one message access, which means if you send it, there's a pretty good chance you'll hear it on the show. Uh, but we do pick out some select messages each and every week. Uh, as our awardees of the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, Andy, who are the recipients or recipient this week? Our recipient is Baron Von Pooh, <laughs> Lieutenant Baron Von Pooh. You know what? He's a Baron. Let him be a Baron. Baron Von Pooh. Uh, this guy. This is completely unrelated to schisms, and I wasn't sure uh, where to put this one. Uh, this was a couple episodes back. Admittedly, I'm a bit behind now, catching up on Prison Circle Pods, but I had a question for the guys. What kind of pizza... Would each of the TNG characters order margarita, BBQ chicken, cheese? I'm no pizza connoisseur, but I leave it in your capable hands. I mean, that's seven different pizzas we got going here. I would think uh, Data would do a white, do an all white. Just oh, match. interesting. I was thinking Picard would do a kind of a pizza Bianca with like no. Ricotta. I think Picard's gonna go very French, perhaps with like a filet mignon uh, on there. You know what I mean? Like some shaved steak. Oh, interesting. On his pizza, you know. I think there's also gonna be like some. Nice I have. I have had a uh, was a, a French onion soup sort of style pizza. I think at uh, at Italy. Do you think that that is? A, do you think Picard would go with a French onion soup style pizza? I guess that's not accurate French, so he would. <laughs> I'd be mean, I'm asking. It's a it's a it's a world I mean, of I imagination. Re- you can choose whatever you'd like. Uh, yes, I'm gonna stick with that. <laughs> All right, then that's that's that. <laughs> Uh, Riker, I think, obviously would just make the pizza he made in Picard. What gonna, was that? Was that have, Neapolitan? It's going to have tomatoes and it's going to have rabbit meat. <laughs> it's true. How about Beverly? I was thinking like a California veggie with avocado. <laughs> You've, I can't find a better answer, so there you go. <laughs> it sounds, um, it sounds like what about you, Worf? You really put some thought into it. I, I think did. Worf would actually go with one of those... Uh, like like a like the Roberta's bee sting, you know, like a like a sweet honey, but with like a nice oh nice bite to it. But I also think he would have uh, prunes on there. Uh, you know what? That's really good. I was going to say a meat lover is just because he's wharf, but I, no. I think yours is so much more specific. Yeah. And he'd like and you know because the pr- he loves prune juice so much, he would be delighted by the sweetness coming oh, from the prunes true. on the pizza. I would like to think Jordy would just go with a you know a New York old fangled you know just good New York slice. Jordy feels like a guy who like frequented Village Pizzeria when he was at Starfleet Academy. Yeah. So he probably was just like you know I love their pepperoni. I'm just gonna go with their pepperoni. Is there anybody we didn't cover? What? Is there anybody we didn't cover? I think that's uh, Troy, of course. Troy. I think Troy would just have what you're having. Because she's what an empath. Oh, right. What about some kind of a 
<laughs> chocolate. She made like a, like oh, a, one of those dessert, dessert pizzas. pizzas. Yeah, cookie yeah. base. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She probably would chocolate sundae pizza. Yeah, she'd go with a dessert pizza. There you go. And We're I into think, priority uh, one message. Yeah, go ahead. I think uh, Nurse Ogawa would probably. It just depends on the week, you know. <laughs> She would do. She would try and talk about it as much as she could. Try and try and get those lines logged. Uh, <laughs> this pizza is wonderful. Does anybody else have anything to say in between this and the next thing I say? <laughs> All right, uh, that's your pizza. We're into the priority one way to, messages. Way to go, yeah. uh, Christopher Pike Medal of Valor awardee Baron Von Pooh. Uh, All right, it's time for priority one messages. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right. This should mostly be about the episode True Q, but uh, we'll see what's going. Andy, what's happening out there? Q who comments? Q um, who? Don't you mean True Q? True Q. Well, that's the name of the uh, the uh, the email is Q who comments. Oh, oh, wait. So he's referring to the season two episode where they introduce... The Federation. No, no, the it's board. about it's about True Q. So I don't know if he's he made a pun and accidentally referred to the other <laughs> to the other uh, uh, episode, or if there's a is there there's no pun there. Is it? It's Q dash who comments. He just mis mistitled the episode. Huh. Okay. All right. All right. Well, here you go. Um, uh, it's a reasonable point, independent of the uh, title. It's Let's from uh, from Ken Campbell. Hey guys, this is mostly for Andy. Uh, um, uh, Andy, I know you probably didn't mean to do this because you seem good natured, uh, seem to be a good natured, caring person. Thank you, Ken. But when discussing Amanda, wanted to go see your parents at the end of the episode, you said, "You know your parents are dead," so uh, you, she means resurrect her parents, I assume. And Matt said, "No, her adoptive parents." And further in the bit, you said, uh, "The other ones are fake." Now, uh, again, I get this was a bit, but even still, I was taken aback by the idea of adoptive parents being fake coming from you. I've typed and deleted about a dozen paragraphs and trying to figure out what I want to say here. So I'll just go with, uh, please be more mindful uh, of what words you use when talking about adoption and families. Love makes a family, Andy. Still think you guys are great. Uh, Ken, KD Campbell. Um, And I guess I wanted to say, uh, Ken, you're absolutely right. Uh, I was insensitive enough to uh, be correctly called out by Matt because I had forgotten about Amanda's adoptive parents. Um, And then after that, in my head, uh, anyway, I was doing a bit where I was doubling down on my ignorance by flippantly dismissing her adoptive (laughs) parents' fake. And uh, I tried to do, I was even, so I remember I added somebody else's voice responding to that, going, how dare you? But none of it landed as funny. So to clarify, I 100% agree that adoptive parents are not fake parents. And I sincerely apologize if I upset or offended anyone. And thank you, Ken, for bringing it up. I think the reality is if we know anything about Andy, it's uh, he can often forget what has happened in a show that we are watching. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, uh, if I, if I, of course, got to turn it into your own agenda. Um, oh, Frederick Rombouts. What are you talking about? This, is, this one addre- addresses what's happening right now. Frederick Rombouts writes, TNC is one big prime disputive, which huh. is something that's uh, said in the previous episode. Uh, Lieutenant Andrew Gibson writes us, when Q comes into Picard's ready room and says, you wanted to speak with me, 
How does Q know this? Uh, I don't suspect Q is just hanging around 10 forward waiting for messages. So is Q always scanning Picard's brain? Do they follow each other on Snapchat? Does Picard romantically put a note in a bottle and throw it out the airlock? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I think that's in. just, I think that was just some uh, presumptiveness uh, on Q's behalf. It is. And also Q was he's, he's, so annoyed by Crusher at that time. Is he reading his mind or what no, are you saying? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you're saying he's making up for himself that Picard yes, wants to see him? A hundred percent. I don't think you can. They, I don't think there's any indication that they ha- they can read minds. Otherwise, he would never be surprised by the humans. That is a good point, but it is a weird blind spot for omnipotent creatures. They, look, they have a lot of blind spots. They sure do. The Q continuum is a, is an odd continuum. It is. It should be the O continuum. Lieutenant Eric, <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen his, his face <laughs> on that one. But, but in defense, I'm going to read. Um, I'm going to read a text from Matt today, where uh, he says, uh, um, "People love those because we we posted about Trek shorts, the, the short treks this." Uh, this month and he said people love love trek shorts or short treks or whatever he says i mean rascals talk about short treks am i right yes, so they're so tiny uh, i'm not the only one making they're terrible so jokes here they're so tiny <laughs> short treks get it they're all very short they're babies they're children <laughs> they really are uh lieutenant eric peoples writes us a lot of pissed off crew members are talking amongst themselves about how the senior staff is fawning over this rando intern and they can't <laughs> even get a hello. <laughs> That's a really good point. Hey, you get the good point award, Eric. Uh, Lieutenant Mark C., transporter chief of Rupert Crandall's Inside Straight and good friend <laughs> of good friend of Sluggo. Is Sluggo a re- reference to something other than... Uh, than, than uh, Mr. Bill's nemesis. <laughs> yes. Was he in Picard? Was Sluggo was a bit that we were doing, I believe. I don't even, honest to God, I'm like, that is very familiar to me, and I'm sure we talked about it, and I have no idea what the hell it's referencing. But I think it's, Mark something, C. I think it's something we were talking about. Hit the refresh button on that and let us know what it was. Anyway, Mark C. writes, When Amanda shoved Q, are we supposed to infer that she did that with Q-level strength? Q looked shocked when uh, that she was able to do that, suggesting yes, but Q just fell against the bookshelf. Surely a Q-level shove would have torn a hole in the ship. It did. It did strike me too. Did it really? It never. That he was it never. It never. It never. I never thought to be bothered by that. Well, going along with your blind spots thing, it sort of struck me as like, wouldn't? Doesn't Q sort of always have a self-protection kind of going or? But I, I guess think, he's again, caught off again, guard I will a lot. say the following. Q can be taken by surprise. He often is. Yeah. Right. And, like, I don't think her goal was to throw him out of the ship. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, again, a Q, a Q decides when he wants to be phased matter and when he doesn't. That's why he can walk through doors, you know? He was thrown against the wall and seemed, thump, you know, like, perplexed. He and was very, shocked. I think he was surprised yeah. that she was able Maybe. to do that. Maybe he sl- maybe you know here's here's a here's a fixed it um, maybe she caught him off guard 
And if if left to her own devices, she would have like smashed him into oblivion. But he then realized what was happening and then slowed it down so it only looked like he bumped against the wall. I think you are trying to fix something that wasn't broken. I mean, the plant, the, the stand of the Somebody plant. Somebody make a jingle. The stand that was uh, holding that plant was broken, but the scene And he fixed fine. it when it didn't need to be fixed. Um, Lieutenant Colum Hayes writes us, who is the sociopath in charge of stacking barrels? A year ago, Worf was almost permanently paralyzed by barrels. So yes, true. in this instance, it's Q taking advantage of the situation to test Amanda, but I believe the barrel is already there up high on a walkway without a railing. Could it be Pranksman? We haven't heard of uh, heard him on the bridge for a few years. Uh, you know, it's funny to me that we, you know... The, they stack things very high for a ship that is often hit by torpedoes and phasers and has inertial dampeners going offline. Like, can you imagine, like, having to be the go clean up the fucking cargo bay after that? It's a really good point. The ship is constantly shaking. Yeah, so I think that there is a problem with the... Uh, with, it was probably Pranksman. Had to be Pranksman. Um, Lieutenant Justine Adamek writes us, re Andy's face blindness regarding... Uh, I have terrible face blindness. I have failed to recognize my own mother and my own father on separate occasions when I saw them outside. My daughter is annoyed when I ask her, is this the same character as the one in the other scene? (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, do I feel you, Justine. Uh, Sometimes they're not even the same race. Like Andy, I will remember someone from somewhere. I'm pretty sure that it's based on voice tone and mannerisms. Um, I haven't done the mother and father thing, uh, but that is... uh, that is rough. I think and, uh, there's a good. I think there's a chance that you, that could happen to you. That I will not recognize my parents. Like I think there's a chance that like if you were in New York and 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 like, walking around the village or something like that, and you just weren't expecting your dad or mom to be walking around, and you I can you, see you could very easily walk by them. I can see it. Yeah. Um, I would imagine my parents put off such a specific energy <laughs> would, like, like I'm a, tense an energy, suddenly an energy field at all times protecting themselves from you Yes, <laughs> there's, no, there's no shoving those people to the back of the wall I'll tell you that <laughs> um, and that is it for the priority one messages we're done all with the president right. circle let's head out open up the hails Captain, we are being hailed. Now, Matt, I uh, I forwarded this to you um, delightfully. Uh, we were contacted by Matthew Corey, who was the original writer of True Q when he was seventeen. Yeah, um, they, uh, the writers' room they take submissions all the time. We've talked about this before. TNG, uh, you know, they would just get mailed scripts, and uh, someone would be reading them and going through them. And if there was anything that sort of like seemed interesting they'd flag it the readers would flag it for the producers and uh this this q story came across their desk and it was written by a 17 year old and uh, it was very different when he wrote it uh but they bought the story from him so at 17 the kid had a story bought by tng it's kind of not even kind of it's awesome quite a dream um, and here's what he writes us. Hey, guys, it was a pleasant surprise when the Scooby Doom on Twitter told me about uh, being mentioned on your podcast. Then another of your listeners, Jason Burris, found me through Facebook. He was really nice and sent a link to the episode. I enjoyed the episode of TNC. And honestly, I never had realized that the little dog was sitting on the couch <laughs> um, in that scene with Q and Amanda. 
<laughs> I saw the deleted scene on the next gen Blu-rays uh-huh. where Troy. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Troy brings Amanda uh, the little dog. So I learned something new about True Q from listening to your show. Wow. Attached is a PDO. Oh, I'd ask him for the uh, original he sent script. The, he sent the original script. Yeah. Which I was um, like, I, I was amazed that he had it in PDF form because that me was too. Written in like well, 1990 here's, something. Here's, 90. I think, the reason. Attached is a PDF file of the original script I submitted to Paramount, ba- Paramount back in 1992. I hope you enjoy it. I do ask that you don't publish it or spread it around. I'm currently working on writing a book about the whole experience and include it, uh, and including the original script in that. I'm hoping to have that done and available by the end of the year. Uh, good luck on that, uh, Matthew. Uh, so that would be cool. I wonder if he's a publisher. If he's going to self-publish and do like an Amazon, uh, like Kindle single kind of thing. But I will say, I started reading it and I was like, "This is I, I this is delightfully the work of a seventeen-year-old." Like, delightfully. oh, is it? Yeah, it is. It's like, it's very like it's. Uh, first of all, it's <laughs> it's like all the the formatting is like correct and st- like I was impressed by that. Yeah. Uh, and I was very impressed by like, yeah, that's a that's a real move for somebody who's outside of Hollywood. Sure, I, I wonder how he did. They must have got. They must have. This is a follow. They must have question. had the scripts. Follow around question for point. Matt Carey. Uh, did you just like or, buy scripts at conventions? Like, would you just do that? Like, how did you get a hold of scripts to see the formatting? That's my question. They must have been available, right? How? I mean, this was season six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where do you get it? At conventions, right? So it's all the only thing you can you can't. Not, but I'm saying what I'm saying is like it's not like he can just decide one day he has a great idea for a TNG episode and go online and pull a bunch of scripts. No, yeah, he's going the extra mile. This is like sure. a guy that's like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna fucking write. Really? He wrote a whole script. Is it's really? Can you imagine getting that call? Ugh. I mean, anyway, I, uh, honestly, I can't, and it would be so delightful. He um, did it ever occur to you to maybe write a script, Matt? I had no idea at that time that there was an open submission thing for Star Trek. Right. Like, I mean, maybe if I had known, I would have tried something. But I was again, I was like eleven. How old was I when this episode aired? I was eight years old. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, he says, uh, so while this was my only screenwriting credit, I did publish a novel called Remember the Roller Dogs. It's a story of guys in their mid-20s who start a, whole, a roller hockey team, and they stink. <laughs> um, other than that, I live a fairly normal suburban dad life in North Carolina. Wife, two kids, job, mortgage. I hope you enjoyed the script. Just remember that I was 17 when I wrote it. I'm 45 now. <laughs> Thanks, no, but like, that's like That's exactly what I said. That I was like, he's probably just living his life. And has this very cool story. Yeah. And I'm just, like, delighted. I'm delighted that well, he I like us. that he's trying to capitalize on it. Uh, good luck to you, Matthew, and let us know when your book's out. Let us know, and we'll, 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 we'll plug the shit out of it. Um, Lieutenant Tom Bondurant writes us, let me be the... Oh, sorry, this is... I think it is. He is lieutenant, but uh, whatever the case. Uh, Tom Bondurant writes us, let me be the first to declare, and there are four doggy scenes... <laughs> Sorry, I, I mangled it. There are four doggy scenes. There yeah. is no and. Yeah. Um, which I know because I watched that episode. You watched Chain of Command 1 and 2 yeah. when he was it's prepping for Picard. And it was unnecessary because that show really didn't need a lot of homework for that one. Yep. 
Nicholas AC writes us, Hello, Matt and Andy. I'm attaching a sound cue for... This is it, Matt. For use in the unlikely event that you miscue, fail to find other cues. Cheers, Nick. Uh, you know, what's funny is I hilariously was in there. I cleaned out the uh, soundboard so that I would make room <laughs> for this. <laughs> and I don't know what I did with it. So I'm going to go ahead and pull it one more time real quick here. I can also read another hail while you find uh, it. Oh, see? Look, I just found it. It's a, is it the whoops? Yep. Okay, yep, that's here it. it is. This is a very complex set of variables to coordinate. <laughs> it is. Honestly. That's why sometimes I hit the wrong button, everybody. <laughs> it's very apropos. Good job, Nick. Uh, put that, mirror put universe. that in the top corner because it will probably be pretty frequently used. <laughs> From Andrew Ball. Hey, Matt. Uh, I'm a bit concerned after listening to the last podcast. This is a Q episode, which Andy likes, yeah. and now he's sporting a goatee. Are we sure that this is uh, this Andy isn't from the Mirror Universe? If he's ever hungry, uh, if, he, if he ever says he's not hungry or becomes a hit with the ladies, get worried. Keep up the good work, guys. Uh, great show and been keeping me sane through COVID. All the best, Andrew Ball. Andy's theories are very <laughs> Really smart. Thanks, audience member. Andy has been replaced by Mirror Andy. <laughs> I will destroy you. Um, nope, now it's regular Andy. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible character? No, because it's uh, just a, <laughs> an aggressive Andy that wants everyone gone except him. <laughs> Does, uh, so, so what's your perspective? Perspe- perspective on mirror andy what is he uh what are his I think traits mirror andy is very affable enjoyable uh you know encouraging good to be around uh very slanted perspective and uh i think he probably just has you know he just likes to have fun <laughs> well uh, yeah, that part is certainly true mirror andy would have to be more well adjusted than me um Andy French uh, tweeted at us at Star Trek TNC, which is our Instagram and Twitter. Just signed uh, back onto Twitter to tell you I drove from NOLA to Montana and back 60 hours total and made it through the entire first season um, of TNC. (laughs) Not sure how it took me this long to find you, uh, considering my two favorite forms of entertainment are Trek and the Dave Matthews Band. Oh, well, thank you for finding us. Here's another uh, pizza uh, hail, a lot of pizza themes. Uh, bad Trek or Bad Pizza from Nathan Bell. And Salutations. And a sandwich and a pizza <laughs> and some ice cream and some donuts and a good pizza to cover up the bad pizza. Okay. <laughs> um, I often say that Star Trek and pizza have uh, a special property in common. Even when they're bad, they're good. First, do you concur? And second... Would you guys rather watch a marathon of your bottom five Trek episodes while eating Defaras or your five uh, fave episodes while eating your least favorite frozen pie? You'll have to pick a different pie than Defaras since you don't uh, rank that. I would go least favorite with Defaras. <laughs> um, least favorite with Defaras. Yes, I would too. Uh, like 100%. Because like yeah. even the worst Star Trek is not... As bad as a terrible pie. It's not like, you know, it did that. Which answers his first question. It's still, I mean, to have a good pizza in front of you, you could put almost anything on. But like, you're just layer. it's like also Star Trek. Oh, it's a bad episode, but who cares? It's good pizza. Yeah, it's, 
background noise. Yeah, the a, a bad pizza. It's. I agree that it's harder to screw up a pizza, but a bad pizza is really a bad. It's like a pizza. truly bad pizza. Like I've you know I've ordered pizza to the house and and uh, I've had like a slice and I've been like this is I'm not even gonna finish this thing. <laughs> the last one was the one that I told you was bad. Yes, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. It was it was so crazily bad. It was it was like how did you do this? How did you? It's it's 2020. How did you make a pizza this bad? It's like you read an internet description of what pizza is and tried to make it without ever having without having ever seen or tasted a pizza. I got that. I got one of those things where you pick up the dough at the yeah. at the gourmet place and you make your own. Mm-hmm. And I just screwed it up entirely. Where it was like ah, oh, it slid off and then it got sure. all mushy and whatever. And it was still <laughs> pretty good. Better than that, yeah. <laughs> a comparative, comparatively, in comparison. Uh, Joseph Parker writes us, uh, Hey, Andy and Matt, to be clear, regarding the disparity in ranking, oh, this is about uh, the, our rankings of Picard versus TNG. Yeah. You frequently bumped up your ranking on an, uh, to an average five because you assumed there was going to be a great payoff That's so in the true. end, pulling it all together. So that might have been the reason it was higher. That's so the higher true. average. Because the show is so serialized, you didn't feel you could judge each episode fairly on their own merit. I'm betting if you went through it again, the rankings would be quite different. That is, that is interesting, but it would require some Defara's pizza. For me to say, yeah, you really, really would. As a matter of fact, Mark C adds on. Uh, Even the hypothetical mention of going through it again would cause Matt to groan like a one-eyed Icheb. Icheb. <laughs> Honestly, Icheb. 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 Uh, I would. Uh, would I do that? Would I? I don't know. I, I. You know, I was saying the other day. I was saying to my buddy Chris Kula, who is an EP on um, Lower Decks. I was saying to him. I was like, I don't know that I will ever go back and rewatch Picard. And then we yeah. both had a very good laugh about Captain Crandall. <laughs> <laughs> By the Crandall. way, uh, Mark C is, of course, transporter chief of Rupert Crandall's Inside Straight. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, we now have a someone. We've had someone tweeting at us who's the Federation president on uh-huh. our Twitter, uh-huh. and we also now have someone who is Rupert Crandall tweeting at us, <laughs> and he's uh, he's 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 sharing his uh, the stories of his his backstory with us. Oh so. man, Rupert Crandall! I bet you know all the backstory building you're doing is probably not even close to the amount they tried to do in that dinner scene. They certainly implied a lot, but our uh, but the payoff is at least you're continuing. <laughs> yeah, you're paying something off. Tyson Klein uh, writes us. Andy mentioned he was intrigued by the concept of Q weapons in the uh, memory beta section, uh-huh. and uh, I wanted to I wanted you to know we have a memory beta theme coming up. FYI, Matt. I know. Uh, I wanted you to know that it was established in canon. Minor spoilers. Season three, episode eleven of Voyager sees the crew get involved in a Q civil war oh, in that's the continuum. True. Yeah. Where they are using Q weapons on each other. However, the continuum is only perceptible to humans in Civil War reenactment and their weapons show up as regular guns from that era. Janeway is surprised. Uh, they have ways to hurt each other, and Q says, You'd be surprised what kind of innovative munitions one immortal being could come up with to set harm to set to harm another immortal being. Just thought you might be interested. That is interesting. And thank you for telling us. I forgot all about that. 
as did I. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to continuing through Voyager in our president circle level. now that uh now that you have that to look for that one episode to look forward to <laughs> that's now the you're only finally, thing that turned you I, around <laughs> yeah i was really like oh there's a dragon uh, I'm trying to remember the name of that episode oh he probably said it in that email didn't he um it has a it has a cube he didn't say it, uh, if i remember correctly and uh and jonathan frakes makes a cameo appearance the, is it um, uh, this is from my memory is it the cue in the gray uh yes i believe it is Ladies and, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Secunda <laughs> remembered an episode of something. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> it has a pun in it. <laughs> to boot. Um, okay. Uh, so I don't know if I should. Is, is memory beta? Because we got Nacho's memory beta theme that yep. he sent us now. Now, is that a whole section that we separate off? Does it matter where it is? Have we well, I mean, it just would have to be, there'd have to be some interesting memory beta thing I've looked up for new characters. There's no new characters in this episode. All right, well, then you're going to have to remember that Nacho Nacho has a memory beta theme, unless well, you just want to play just it stay for in. It'll just stay, let me see, I'll put it over by uh, Andy's theories. Seems like it'll be at that point in the show. But here's a memory beta, here's Nacho's memory beta jingle. Well, let's take a trip down, memory beta. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I would take that as a segment every every time. Oh, come on! <laughs> memory you beta. and I both say "come on" a lot. That's memory <laughs> That's beta. Come on, right there. I like it. I like it a lot. I like Nacho. that it's. I like that it's really just high production value, and he didn't even sing in it. He just uh, he's just using his his abilities, I'm, his sound abilities. I love it so much. Um, this was fascinating to me. Uh, it's from Matt Mears, and it says they beat you to it, Secunda. Hey, Matt and Andy, been waiting for a good excuse to write into the podcast for a while now, and I finally found one. I'm relatively new to listening to TNC. Just got to season three, uh, so someone may have beaten me to this already. They did not, Matt. Um, but if they haven't, uh, too good to pass up, recently started playing Star Trek Online. Lo and behold, I'm playing a mission, and who do I encounter but a Borg enemy named Secundus of Borg? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and then he, he looks, shows, you the, shows me the memory beta. Is That's right, Andy. Uh, it looks like the writers of uh, STO put you into beta canon two years before you guys even got started on the podcast still laughing at the amazing coincidence couldn't quite believe my eyes when i saw the name come up that's love the show thanks so much for the great work guys p.s i hope after the end of season two you didn't uh completely stop doing your amazing uh surly maurice hurley impression uh looking forward to finding out he pops up kind of here here and there every once in a while takes a visit It'll be a nice surprise for Matt Mears when he finally catches up with us. Um, it, oh, it just sounds like you're saying my last name wrong. <laughs> yeah, Matt 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 Mirza. Um, True Q, Olivia, Dabo, and face blindness. Uh, hi, Matt and Andy. I expected not to no- Andy not to notice because of his face blindness, but come on, no mention of Olivia Dabo as uh, Princess Jenna from Conan the Destroyer. Conan the Destroyer. Uh, no, I must know her from. Uh, no, I must know her from something big. You guys are slipping. Love the podcast. Sincerely, Bob Z. Bob Zupansik. Um, uh, I, of course, knew Olivia Dabo from Conan the, Conan the Destroyer. Um, and I think that is the opposite end of my stupidity, 
which is to me that was so obvious that I was like, that's not even a knower from something big. I'm like, come on, it's well, Olivia Dabo. The <laughs> obvious one is is your Wonder Years. That's that's the most obvious one, right? So that I think to me, the princess from from the Conan movie is a is a knower from something big. Is an Andy Secunda's claim right. to fame. But of course, to me, I was just like, well, of course I know her from that. So it almost didn't seem worth mentioning. So I didn't <laughs> overlook it. It just didn't even occur to me. Um, songs. So we're not playing this. Do you want this whole rundown of uh, Sleeping Satellite, which was in last week's? Do I want a whole rundown? Yes. Oh, it was basically someone, saying, someone took the time to record a minute long thing, right? No. Uh, I thought you said they sent a, they said, I thought you said we had a minute long voice hail. No, we don't because I don't have it. Someone yes. wrote someone wrote an email about it. Is what you're saying? Look, bottom line, uh, fan fan man Tsang wrote, uh, dear man Andy, I think Matt might like to know that the amazingly the amazing number one song, Sleepless Sleeping Satellite, uh-huh. which was been the UK hit, uh, is an elegiac romance. Uh, about the uh, Apollo moon missions. The song ponders on the 20th anniversary after our last mission uh, there, if the reason for Apollo's justification may also be the reason why we never went back. Hence these opening lyrics, I blame you for the moonlit sky and the dream that had died with Eagle's flight. I blame you for the moonlit nights when I wonder why the seas are still dry. Don't blame the sleeping satellite. Did we fly to the moon too soon? Did we squander the chance to, in the rush of the race the reason we chase is lost in romance and still we try to justify the waste for a taste of man's greatest adventure that's all in there (laughs) tranquility base the eagle that is that is heavy with apollo references did we go too soon andy that's from lieutenant was july of 1969 too soon he's uh, i'm asking you andy oh sorry what's your question did we go to the moon too soon um, I mean, I'd like to see us go to space more, so I say no. I think we all would like to see us go to space more. I think we did. I think we might have gone a little too soon. Now, I'll tell you actually what did it. It was uh, Nixon cut the budget Ooh, horribly. Like, Nick, Nixon cut NASA's budget. And, you know, because if, if they had been funded the way they were funded from through through 1970-whatever... They had like they had it all lined up. They were like there's gonna be a moon like they were gonna fucking put a base on the moon in like eighty one. Huh. But uh yeah, the funding got cut you, real bad. Do you think it was kind of a swipe at Kennedy that he did that? Uh yeah, I think it's a you know, very it's interesting too, because then like Obama actually cut NASA funding. Oh, interesting. And then uh, Trump decided to start Space Force. So it's all it's all a yin and yang. <laughs> Um. So then, uh, this is a prime. Cor- they got a couple of prime correctives. All right. Uh, here we go. Time for retrospective. Cause truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective. Cause Matt and got it wrong. Gil Renberg, who wrote us last time, or actually a couple of times ago, uh, about the Dyson Sphere, writes us, Andy and Matt, it was great to hear my post 
on the late Freeman Dyson being read as part of your follow-up to the discussion of relics. However, while reading my message, Andy opted to shorten it by skipping a sentence, but that sentence contained a crucial point I was making, that based on the YouTube link I shared, Dyson had clearly renounced the sort of rendering of a Dyson sphere known in, uh, shown in relics. Um, I can only attribute this omission to Andy suffering from previously undiagnosed point blindness on top of everything else. <laughs> point blindness. <laughs> that may right. be true. Point blindness. Uh, is as my Dyson term. says in the YouTube clip, uh, he was describing the concept of an artificial biosphere that was an inhabited region. And then he adds, and the science fiction writers got hold of, the, of this phrase and imagined it then to be a spherical, rigid object. Uh, and the aliens would be living on some kind of artificial shell, a rigid structure surrounding uh, a star, which wasn't exactly what I had in mind. But in any case, that's become then a favorite object of science fiction writers. They call it the Dyson Sphere, which was a name I don't altogether approve of. But anyway, I'm stuck with it. Presumably, this is uh, Gil again. Presumably, this won't spoil your enjoyment of the episode. Uh, that is that is a very relevant, and it's funny that someone wrote in to correct. I've never seen a prime corrective <laughs> yeah. issued to the hail section. It's reasonable. I uh, I'm on board. Um, and then this last one. Uh, see, this is where this would become in handy because the end of the the end of this hail says, "Andy, I'm Irish, so feel free to read this in an accent. There you we go. won't be offended too much." Now, if I had some kind of a study guide, so then it would, this would be it was this would not be what you're about to hear. True Q Prime Corrective <laughs> nitpick from Marcus Black. Hi, Andy and Matt. Just listening to the episode about True Q, and Matt comments why the Enterprise isn't beside a starbase in the establishing shot. I'm surprised Matt said this, as we have been seeing countless occasions where starbases are planet-based. They do come as orbital facilities, too, as seen more often in the movies, but there are definitively ground-based ones, too. Love the show. Love the pod. Live long and prosper. Marcus B. from Belfast. Definitively ground-based starbases. That is true. You know, like, you know, the, the Romulan neutral zone bases. Those are on, Those are surface bases. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to allow it. Oh, oh wow. Well I was wondering how you were going to land well on it. Thank you. Starbase 23. is uh, That finally is it for the hail bag, buddy. All right. Let's close up those hailing frequencies. Frequencies closed, sir. And it's time for the episode discussion. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. <laughs> I hope not just pleased that we're using his uh, latest rendition of the next episode jingle. Uh, it's time to talk about Rascals, Andy. This was, uh, it's aired the week of November 2nd, 1992. Oh, I was nine years old. Uh, what was happening? Matt... Hanging in at number one in the U.S., End of the Road by Boys to Men. Oh, yeah. Inter- interestingly, uh, also the number one song in the U.K. now. Well, Boys I mean, they had had their fun with satellites. Sure. But they rarely cross over. I'm sure there's some record. Yes, the 80s into the industry 90s seem to be very disparate. Yeah. 
Um, the number one movie was Under Siege. Um, the number one book, Tale of the Body Thief by Anne Rice. The number one TV show that week, the CBS four-part miniseries, <laughs> Sinatra. Whoa. Maybe we should cover that in the Patreon. <laughs> um, birth that week, NFL star Odell Beckham Jr. Wow. Uh, deaths that week, Hal Roach, Little Rascals creator, oh. director. Oh, poor Hal Roach. And uh, events, Bill Clinton defeats George H.W. Bush and Ross Perot in the presidential election. Wow. 1992. What a time. Sure was. Thank you, boys. Slash men. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Andy, we found out what was happening in the world, uh, but we haven't found out what was happening with the chairman of the board. Frank Sinatra, come on. It's time for that segment everybody hates. (laughs) Time for Frank Sinatra, come on. Fly me to Andy, what was going on with old Blue Eyes? I'll tell you, Matt. Frank had just finished another three nights at Radio City Music Hall with a rare two-show booking on November 1st. I know. The guy, he never stops working. He did a 3 p.m. matinee with a 17-song set list and then an 8 p.m. show with 18 songs. Jeez. He is a few weeks shy of his 77th birthday. That guy... Say what you will about him as a person. He was a he was a true professional as a singer. He gave the audience their money's worth. I uh, you know I'll, I'll I'll put on the Sinatra playlist sometimes and just fucking listen to it with headphones. It's so the fidelity on it is so good. Oh. Everyone, have a listen to this fidelity. Please be true. What, it, it's, words, the album is called? Every horn individually. It's just fucking great. There's recorded so well. What album are you... It's, it's called the set list? What is the album you're pulling from? What My version are you pulling set list. I see. Just your set list. Set. Is that what they're called? Playlist? Playlist. Set list would be if I was going up to do stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or if you were going to do Sinatra songs. Set list would be also if I was uh, performing a concert. Uh... Yes, I, you know, as a kid, I bought the uh, Sinatra reprise collection. Uh huh. And, uh, you know, I ripped them all when I had a CD drive back in the day. My iTunes library has followed me since, like, the year 2000. Yeah. I, I have a crappy iTunes library because it's, because with all upgrades and stuff at some point, I lost everything. Uh, not me. I keep a backup on a separate drive just in case, but also streaming's nice now. You know, you can adjust. This is a little tip, everybody out there. If you're uh, listening on something like a Spotify, there is a preference where you can uh, actually uh, choose to listen in a higher fidelity. So you don't have to listen to the bullshit compression that they do on these streaming surfaces. I hate... That's my least favorite thing about Sirius Satellite Radio. It was the, the the compression they were doing on the audio. I hated it so much. You feel like you could really hear it. It sounded like it sounded like garbage. I would like honestly if like a song was playing that I wanted to hear on like the Beatles channel, I would just then go to my phone and play it through the stereo with my phone. Huh. But I I assume it's gotta be better now. But anyway. <laughs> a little <laughs> little side note about fidelity. <laughs> 
Sorry to the people who who scooted ahead to hear the beginning of the episode. <laughs> it's Rascals, everybody, directed by Adam Nimoy. That's uh, that's Leonard's son. Teleplay mm-hmm. by Allison Hawk. Story by Ward Botsford and Diana Drew Botsford, as well as Michael Piller. Uh, and here it is from Dr. Trek himself, Larry Nemechek's book, Star Trek The Next Generation Companion, Revised Edition. After they are beamed off an endangered shuttlecraft through an energy field, Picard, Roe, Keiko, and Guinan are turned into the physical equivalents of 12-year-old children. Their minds, though, are left intact. As the cause is probed, the awkwardness is rampant. Picard turns over command to Riker when he realizes his command seemed odd, and O'Brien and his wife have their own personal life to sort out. Life is complicated when renegade Ferengi and Klingon warships disable the ship and declare it theirs, but the youngsters realize their advantage and gain control through the school's computer after the captain poses as Riker's son and number one gets them secret access during some techno-badble explanations for the confused Ferengi. With computer access, the children, quote-unquote, beam in to surprise the occupying Ferengi and take the ship. That's not what happens. Uh, they don't, they don't beam, beam in. in. They don't That's beam true. in. They beam. No. They managed to beam the Ferengi. Forget it. Uh, while O'Brien and Crusher we have to call into his podcast and give a prime corrective. <laughs> while O'Brien and Crusher help uh, retake the. Sh- sorry, while O'Brien and Crusher help discover how to use a transporter to undo the mask, the masked effect on their genetic code that caused the incident. In the first place, all are restored, including Roe, who finds she's become more at peace with the carefree childhood she was never able to have. All right, Andy, here we go. First of all, let's pop into what I would describe as the most awkward grouping of shore leave people ever. Oh, Matt, my sorry, my link is the link the second one or the first one? Second one. Okay. I apologize. Guys, Andy's syncing up here gonna be great just waiting for best guy to join the party there he is did it all right let's let's hit it picard tell us what's what captain's log stardate 46235.7 ensign Rowe, keiko o'brien guinan and i are returning to the enterprise after a fascinating visit to the planet marlonia and these pieces I found on the tertiary level of the dig, they're typical of second century Marlonian cookware. Look at those markings. They're very similar to early Taguan designs, but the patterns are more intricate. They're much closer to Baronian than Taguan. You're on the most beautiful planet in the quadrant, and you spent your entire shore leave in a cave. It was a very rewarding experience. Look at these fragments. Andy, you're doing a lot of chuckling over there. What's up? Uh, I don't know. I really enjoy I enjoy Picard kind of uh, boring and obsessing over these things. I think it's a really nice nice color on him and, and, and Guinan kind of giving him shit for it. Uh, what a... I just think it's very... I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm so confused as to how they decided to end up on a shuttle together going to that planet. Well, that's the thing. This is such a weird, you know, motley crew of just like, why these four people? (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, frankly, I'm going to have questions about why these four people even to be turned into children. It's sort of. Well, I think I'll tell you exactly. I think why they did it. You got the 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 row the row side of it is interesting. 
right? Yes. And yeah, that have, was a good angle. And they, Guinan is in it because Whoopi Goldberg schedule allowed her to do two episodes this season, and this was one of them. This was one of the weeks she was able to do. So it's just available. And uh, Keiko, I think, is there because it's that's uh, an interesting dynamic, thing. right? With the yeah. you know O'Brien and a, and a having a child and a husband, and uh, Picard's there because that's also the other interesting thing is what would that be like? I mean, that's all true, and so maybe you're limiting it to those characters because you only have that much story time. But I guess overall, like I would have loved to have seen a child, Worf, seen a child. Jordy, uh, uh, his name's Alexander. <laughs> that's that's not true. He's a totally different character than Worf would have been. And then he, <laughs> that also, what about that? Seeing seeing Alexander, I guess you see Keiko and O'Brien's child interacting with it, but seeing Alexander interact with a possibly smaller, younger Worf, <laughs> I'd love to have seen that. Oh, they would they would fight each other. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is a it, it's a it's a weird it's a motley crew. But uh, all story-wise, I think it's slightly interesting. Um, actually, it's a Dravidian calamus. You can tell by the shape of the leaves. I didn't know you were interested in plant biology. I took a class at the academy. I don't remember very much, though. It's being real shifty about it. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I don't know if she, like, She's... cheated on her final exam. And <laughs> yeah, doesn't what want anyone, happened? Doesn't have anyone to dig in? <laughs> I once killed someone with a plant. <laughs> What's happening? I took, um, took the botany class until my professor died of unknown reasons. Uh, <laughs> I definitely didn't kill them, though. Okay, Enterprise, what's up? I was not growing uh, marijuana in my closet at... What is, it, what is it called in uh, Picard? Snake venom or something? Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. something... This is the Fermi. Go ahead, Enterprise. We've just received a distress signal from the Starfleet science team on LIGO-7. Can you identify the problem? No, sir. The call was cut off in mid-transmission. Lay in a course and prepare to engage at warp 8 as soon as we're on board. Aye, sir. The rendezvous with the ship in three minutes, sir. Uh, <laughs> then the, the shuttlecraft hits something. <laughs> It's yeah, an unknown thing, and uh, and then we have Chief O'Brien, who very calmly is like, be trying it's to crazy s- how calm he is, trying to He's save his wife. His Red wife's room. life is on the line. It's so weird. <laughs> I wonder if he didn't do if, if Colmini didn't connect the dots somehow, or if he was just like, no, I'm a professional. This is the way I would do this. I mean, <laughs> he is. He's fucking Chief O'Brien. It's happening, Mr. Warren. He's so casual. By an energy field. Its engines and life support have failed. Increase the full impulse. Bridge to transporter room three. Prepare to beam the shuttle crew back once we're in range. Ready, sir. Hey, hey Matt. Yeah. Can, can I ask you to do an evaluation of each of their shaking ability? Because <laughs> I felt like maybe uh, maybe Guinan and, uh, and Keiko were uh, not up to... Uh, not up to stuff? <laughs> Roe and Picard, I think, have more experience shaking on the bridge than they do. let me take a look here. Contact the Enterprise. There's too much interference. Transferred auxiliary power to inertial dampers. (laughs) (laughs) I do like that Guinan has to hold on to her hat. I like that she's holding on to her hat. I like that she's holding on to her hat and also uh, that Keiko... Uh, still, still has her legs casually crossed and is holding on to these plants. 
She has not decided to plant her other foot on the ground for stability purposes. Have you got them, O'Brien? I'm trying, sir. <laughs> I can't get a pattern lock. The shuttle is coming apart, Chief. We've got to do it now. You know what? I've got them. In fairness to them... Who's the them? The people in the shuttle. Yep. I don't think they're shaking the camera, which they usually do. Yes, that might have been a Nimoy thing. He was like, oh, I don't shake the camera. <laughs> FYI, I just quickly looked up uh, Adam Nimoy's credits. Uh, and even though this was nepotism and it was his first thing, he, he had a long a long and uh, successful career as a TV director after this. Um, and he, I also well, think he does he a, started, a bang-up job in this episode. He was, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was, uh, he had gone to law school. Uh-huh. And uh, during Star Trek VI, he actually was uh, assisting Nick Meyer, Nicholas Meyer, the director of Star yes. Trek VI and the writer, of, you know, the director of Star Trek II. And uh, the day that they wrapped filming of Star... This I learned from Larry Nemchuk's book, but it's not the thing I was talking about earlier. Uh, the day they wrapped filming on Star Trek VI, he, Adam Nimoy went to uh, Rick Berman's office and asked if he could shadow some directors during season five. And then he was yeah. given uh, this slot for the episode. Impressive. There's a 40% drop in mass. I may have lost one of them. Hopefully not my wife. (laughs) (laughs) I've got them. Their clothes are the same size, sir. That is also a crazy detail. I think... Roe is wearing an oversized uniform. They all are. She seems to be... Are they? Yeah. Keiko seems like it was shrunk down. Keiko's, and Picard's Keiko's, does. Keiko's is very bunched at the legs, and no, Picard's is huge. Look at the you can tell by the sleeves. Look at that; they go over his arm. It doesn't look that big. Maybe it's big. Rough. It's a tall child, but I feel like it should. But be anyway, what, you know, the whole time. Let me just play this here. This little sound clip here. Oh damn! Where did it go? Oh, no. Andy, I'm trying to find the Secunda's claim to fame because I need to play it for oh. both of us. Really? Uh, I can't find it. I've lost the claim to fame, everyone. <laughs> all those years, you guys were making fun of me for all my mistakes. Nobody was making fun of me. I just made that up uh, in my head. <laughs> oh, no. I don't have it. Okay, imagine everybody that I played the Secunda's claim to fame. Oh, found it. Do you not have a search mechanism? Secunda. No, because I have the claim to fame. All in front of me. I see. I know from something big. Uh, Okay, so, Andy, do you recognize the gentleman playing Captain Picard from anything? I I don't. Uh, Guess what? He played Captain Picard's nephew in Family. Oh, wow. There you go. That's a really nice tie-in. Yes. And wow. let me also tell you this. Okay. Uh, Guinan. Do you recognize young Guinan? I don't. Oops. That one's playing for some reason. She played young Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act. <laughs> oh, well, I never saw Sister Act, but oh that's great. Maybe we should do it in the Patreon. 
That 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 little lady's really got an angle. Uh, yes, well, I don't know what that angle's doing now, but I was I was kind of delighted by that. That's great. But I never put that together that that was Renee. Yeah. Uh, until until I read it in 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 the companion. So way to go, Doctor Trek. All right, now we got confused children. According to the bioscans, their DNA structure is now consistent with those of pre-adolescence. But as far as we can tell, only their bodies were changed. Their individual intelligence and their behavioral responses are exactly the same as they were before the accident. What? Ha- <laughs> it's like very weird that they're having this conversation in front of them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And talking about them like they're not right in front of them. It's, it's a good point. And, and actually, it maybe is something that should have been... A more of a point put on that they're they're being treated like children yeah also like i i do think this i mean obviously this is this is a weird this is a story that's sort of just done for the sake of the story which i don't mind here and there okay but i don't think given the fact that the federation encompasses you know a hundred and some odd alien races uh-huh I don't think it would be that big of a swing for everybody on the ship to be like, oh, well, that's what Captain Picard looks like now. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes, I agree with you. Because, like, I th- I'm sure they have alien races that age very slowly. and like, Right, so they're just children all the time. Yeah. yeah, they just seem like children all the time, but they aren't. And I'm sure that they're accepted by everybody. And I think that this, like, I think they're playing it up they're playing it up like they're 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 modern people, right? Yes, they're playing it as though it's modern day. I mean, Troy does allow for that they would adjust eventually. The people that you know them, although she does say like the people that know you would adjust eventually. Outside of the people that know you, they probably wouldn't. But, but I, I kind of isn't there isn't there even in the future, a little bit of ageism that it would be, ageism in the reverse direction, that it would be uh, that it's like, well, that person is more experienced. Like, I understand but what also, you're saying, I'd be there like, could be aliens. I'd be like, that, I'd like, be like be. hello, everyone. We let Wesley fly the ship when he was my age. Well, that's a really good point. So, I don't know what the fuck your problem is. <laughs> that is a really good point. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm fucking Captain Picard. I'm fully intact. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just like so that so that that for me was like the little like they, it would have been it would have been a little bit more helpful if they had made it like that a certain immaturity had set in for for whatever biological reason. Sure, yeah, or if there was some sort of re- reduction in 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 memory or brain. Right, right. Uh, experience, like temp- whatever. Did so, and the other thing changed. I was, <laughs> the other thing I was watching this, and I was like, you know, if this was really, I'm trying to like think, if this was like a modern day Star Trek episode, yes, I was like, they'd go to fucking a planet like Free Cloud, uh huh, <laughs> where they'd have these underground fucking doctors who do genetics and modifi- body modifications that have been outlawed by the Federation. <laughs> and like they would just make them older. Like they would like this. This Picard would go get like his vocal cord dropped, so he sounded like Patrick Stewart. And right. you know, it'd be like this weird episode of underground. 
like uh, underground uh, plastic surgery. Right. It Except also could be a a thing that's that's offered as a um, as like a feature. You know, like you spend your day as your childhood self. And oh, then it goes I see what you're saying. That's that's kind a whole a other way to go. Thing. Boy, we should um, we should get in that writers' room right now. I will say this. Um, uh, as soon as it, th- I saw this was the the premise. Um, I was nervous that I was like, "Oh boy, is this going to be a bunch of kid acting?" I think these kids crush it in this episode. I feel like maybe the the uh, the one playing young Whoopi doesn't quite connect as much, but she is the toughest the toughest part because Guinan is sort of a a, a low key character. But I feel like all these these kids are yes, really. But I think I don't know if they studied them or they're doing impressions. I feel like some of the lines are like right on target. Uh, yeah, you'll notice that the Roe character does the whole like one eighty pivot that 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 Michelle Forbes does. Like whenever Michelle Forbes turns as Roe, she like just on her heels turns. Yeah, and that girl does it, and he does the Picard maneuver about a thousand times. Like pulling yes. down his shirt to make it, you know. And I think that the 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 guy and the girl playing guy and I think she carries like some of that genteel nature that like yeah, it's definitely that guy and is imbued with. And then sure, Keiko I think luckily is a character who at this point in the run we haven't spent all that much time with. But it feels like if you go back to her on day in Data's day and that fight she's having with O'Brien, I'm like oh, that all plays. Like it's all I think it all. It all I mean, weirdly all worked. Yeah, I mean, the Picard kid ha- still maintains an, a sort of an authority, a sense of, or an expected sense of authority. And I think Keiko, even though we haven't seen her that much, the one thing we have seen is the way that her and O'Brien fight. This is, her last, feel uh, like, this is her last episode before she uh, ships out to DS9. Oh, interesting. And that's really, is it O'Brien's last episode? No. Um. So that's really on target. And... And Rose uh, antagonism, the like the way that she plays the antagonism is exactly the way Rose does. It's really, it's really impressive. And I, I don't know if they were coached or what it was, but whatever it is, bravo. Yeah. But as far as we can tell, only their bodies were changed. Their individual intelligence and their behavioral responses are exactly the same as they were before the accident. What happened to the shuttlecraft number one? The shuttle broke up just after we beamed you out. <laughs> like, they're all looking at each other like, can you believe this fucking kid's asking us this? <laughs> so strange. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's literally like, I just don't even, I don't, like, these two people, particularly, like, Crusher and... And Riker, Riker, yeah. I'm sure, yeah, they must be, they're probably the most weirded out by that, but also, I think, would also be the most willing to accept it. But you might be putting, a, you might be sort of hitting on something that it's the two of them have the most problem adjusting to it sort of kind of uh, gets at that they see him as this elder statesman father figure yes and so it's harder for them to make the adjustment yeah maybe it's a it's a it's an interesting dynamic they put on it the data is coordinating the salvage efforts right now sir what about the energy field that the shuttle passed through we're trying to scan it, but we're running into a lot of interference. It's going to take some time. Well, we can't afford to stay here any longer. We'll leave a Class 4 probe behind to study the energy field, but the distress signal from LIGO-7 has top priority. Let me know as soon as you have any further information, Doctor. 
Number one, you're with me. Captain, uh, I need to run some additional tests. Of course. The three of you will remain as needed to assist Dr. Crusher. <laughs> so now, let me ask at you. At this point, they've now yes. gotten them uniforms that fit. Because Guinan's, right. Guinan's hat is a s- smaller circle. <laughs> we have to replicate an exact duplicate of Guinan's outfit immediately. Like, that's so funny to me that they took the time to do that. <laughs> it really is funny. Um, um, so, so my question about this moment is, um, Picard, do you think Picard is sort of in denial the way that he would be you know, in any episode where they say something's physically wrong with him and he doesn't want to deal with Beverly and he doesn't want anyone examining him and he doesn't want to admit that there's any weakness? Or do you think that he's just being a professional and like, well, there's not an immediate threat, so I'm just going to go yeah, on to the next I think that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. I think he's like, you know, like in that scene with Troy that happens a little in a little bit where he's like, I'm still Jean-Luc Picard. Like, right. I feel like he's in a little denial. On but some like level. this whole part here uh, with uh, when they get to the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone is looking at him like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> is kind of funny. Uh, here, let's play it. Bridge. Mr. Worf, prepare to launch a class 4 probe to study the energy field. <laughs> is it Captain Picard Day? Who is this? <laughs> like, no one <laughs> seems to have any idea what's going on. They would have gotten the memo. <laughs> I realize how unusual this must seem. My appearance is the result of an accident involving myself and three other crew members. They would the effects know. Effects of which Dr. Crusher is currently working to remedy. I assure you I am Captain Picard. I don't know how to say my name exactly right yet. The probe. Aye, sir. Like, Data should, Data should immediately be like, okay. Yeah, 100%. But like the, the fact, fact that, that Data he, has any Stata, reaction. Is... Have you secured all of the shuttle debris? Almost. It is being stored in shuttle. I guess he does. He makes the adjustment. Sir. Very well. Ensign, as soon as Mr. Data is finished, take us to Lagos at warp eight. The only one who seems to like the only one who seems to be playing it like a person in the twenty fourth century would is the unnamed helmsman. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because she looks young herself. Well She's... also because she she also just doesn't have a line, so she just right. acts like a you okay. for a few sure. moments. Of course. Like he's already annoyed. <laughs> I see that as more like, oh, what's Beverly going to talk Gee, to him about? Gray. Hot. <laughs> if, his, if his child mouth wasn't Have as <laughs> wasn't as adjusted to it, and then he went, ah! <laughs> it was like too hot for him. <laughs> I see. There are 100... Or like if he was like, just blowing on it, just blowing on it to make... Beverly, could you cool my tea Tea. down? Uh, uh, Oh, Gray, uh, lukewarm, and a lot of honey, please. We should prepare Shuttle Bay 3 for a triage center in case they have large numbers of casualties. We'll be ready. I see that Ligos 7 is prone to periodic volcanic activity. 
Perhaps the planet has entered an active phase. John Luke. Yes. That that uh, tech tech jargon was an ADR line. All that's right, for sure. Talk. <laughs> Are you here to relieve me of duty? I'd rather not have to take that step. I am still Jean Luc Picard. My judgment, my experiences, my mental capacities are all intact. That's true, for now. But this could be the first stage of a condition that may begin to affect your mind as well. But you see no evidence of that. Not yet. What I do know is that the captain of this ship has undergone an extreme physical transformation, the ultimate effects of which I can't even begin to guess. You are asking me to step down. You are still Jean-Luc Picard. What do you think you should do? comes out i've relieved <laughs> dr crusher of duty <laughs> anyone else have a problem <laughs> he just, then he became like a fucking like teenager who just was like anyone else coming at me i would like four chocolate sundaes brought to me every hour Warf, now take everyone i say to go to the brig to the brick thank you <laughs> um it is. It's an, sort of an interesting analysis of Picard's the the slight ego he has about being in command. Oh, I don't think there's a slight ego. I think there's a big ego about being in command. I think he. Oh, I think they. I think they've shaded that pretty well it, it's through these six seasons. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, like he. You know, like he has those conversations here and there about like being distant from the crew and. You know, presenting himself as the captain, and uh, I think. Yeah, but that seems different to me from the idea of giving up command, which is something that's I I think Kirk dealt with. Um, It probably it came up more there. Yeah, but I feel like this to me this seems a little atypical that he would even buck a little bit because it seems like well something's going on with you, like it's not. Yeah, it's but like if even he, if your brain but is again, normal, if he like, feels like if you felt also like the that. element of like, shouldn't you just trust your, you know, you you trust this crew implicitly, like yes, and but he also feels like there is trust that they should be having in him because he feels no different. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, I'm not saying that I would be different, but I'm not John Luke Picard. Well, not yet, John Luke Picard. Someday you could be. Thanks, Matt, for that vote of confidence. Commander Riker, please take command of the ship until further notice. Understood. Understood, young man. <laughs> oh, uh, understood. Dr. Crusher, you're relieved of duty. You <laughs> <laughs> Picard then, high five. High five. <laughs> 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 oh, you found it. I sure did. Uh... Uh, all right, so let's skip in. <laughs> Riker seems very concerned about the situation. <laughs> I think he's like, kind of like, ah, I really always wanted to be captain of the ship. And first, I thought when the Borg had him, that would be it. And now I've got this, <laughs> this second opportunity here where these children are running about. <laughs> Maybe there's some <laughs> way I could send him back to Earth. <laughs> 
Uh, but I do, yeah, this this awkward O'Brien scene I thought was very good. <laughs> He's really good for this. A cup of coffee. How about you? I'll get it. Two coffees, one with cream and sugar, the other Black, one... Black, double sweet. I know. One double sweet. <laughs> so what's interesting is I feel like Keiko would have... They would have had that, that argument even if she wasn't a child. Careful, that's hot. <laughs> Miles. Careful, that's hot. He did, Miles did the same thing we did. <laughs> I think that that reaction from O'Brien is a little pushed weird yeah like i think it's like because it's like genuinely it's like something horribly traumatic has happened to your wife or husband well the only the only thing i agree with you in that moment it's sort of like you know it's not it's not like she's making any overtures she was just holding his arm but the the unless you're sort of extrapolating basically the thing that they vocalize later even in that moment which is well what happens if she's stuck like this yeah, I mean, the concept of, like, being stuck as a child is what they're saying, right? Right, right, yeah. Like, then what's going to happen to them? No, I'm, I mean, of course you're my wife. But you're also ten years old. Beverly said it's actually closer to twelve. <laughs> now, that's not the point. So what is the point? Is our marriage over? I didn't say that. But well, until they find a way to reverse this... This effect... It's hard for me to ignore the fact that you're a little girl. What if they can't find a way? What if I'm like this for the rest of my life? What does that mean for us? For our family? Mommy? Mommy? Our ADR child. <laughs> I wish it was wrong, Data in the other room. Oh, it's just just testing my <laughs> child vocal uh, harmonizing. Got her in a sweater in her bed. That must be very warm in there. All we right. sometimes throw Henry in a sweatshirt because the AC really pumps in there. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. What story would you like to hear? Not you. I want mommy. What if Daddy reads your story tonight? Will that be okay? I'll be right back. Okay, go in the shit now. I can't read anything but schematics. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to be entertained by that. <laughs> there we go. It's going to be all right. I promise. Uh... Oh, and the other the other thing I really liked was this whole thing of him putting it on his coat, his fucking Picardigan of sweater. I love it. <laughs> it's Picardigan sweater business. Oh my god, it's the best business there is. There's no business Tom? like Picardigan sweater business. All right, so there we go. Till I grow up again before I get another command, which might be in ten, maybe fifteen years question is what to do until then you're still a starfleet captain 
I'm sure there are other assignments you could be given in the interim. Maybe you I'm could command a ship via Zoom. I'm not about to sit behind a desk now. So true. You can return to the academy. Maybe there's take a child the ship you could take Brush over. And be Wesley Crush's roommate. <laughs> he doesn't even have automatic doors. <laughs> that, this to me, that was an interesting throwaway to me because I'm just like, you know, it's not like you being a, uh, you know, whatever whatever age you are being roommates with Wesley is that much more silly than you being the captain of a starship. It's like, you shouldn't, it's sort of weird that you'd be even be his roommate. He's so young. But what he's saying is like, he hates I'm, Wesley. Uh, he hates Wesley. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> what, to be Wesley Crusher's roommate? <laughs> I will admit that returning to the Academy does have a certain appeal. But I spent my life looking forward. Going to the Academy again feels like looking backward. I already know the first duty is truth. (laughs) (laughs) This Admiral in Starfleet history. It would give me a chance to take up Dr. Langford's offer and accompany her to the ruins on Suvin 4. But to leave the Enterprise... In a way, you're very lucky. You might have a chance to do what most people can only dream about. It could go make wine. <laughs> have a second childhood. For a long time. Without the pain of growing up again. This is Captain Picard's ribovaroxic nucleic structure from a tissue sample I took this morning. It's the same as a sample I took before the accident, except it's missing several of the key Varoxic sequences. It's been a long time since I took genetics, Doctor. RVN is one of the key factors in our development during puberty. Unlike DNA, which never changes, RVN takes on some additional Varoxic sequences during adolescence. That's some sweet, sweet technobabble bullshit. Just doing a good job with it. Uh... It's wild, by the way, that we're 19 and a half minutes into this episode, and the Ferengi have yet to take over the Enterprise. <laughs> I know. Well, there's a lot of mo- plot moves with them becoming I know. kids. And also, as soon as the Ferengi come in, then obviously you can't deal with any of the the the, the interpersonal dynamics. Right. I want to get a sample of this down to engineering and run a metallurgical analysis. I want to know what the decision was in this scene. So they're in Shuttle Bay going through the thing. In this scene, I want to know what the decision was to have this crewman come over. And just and sit for, between and for, them? And, and go between them for Jordy to put this thing in there. Yeah. To take to it's, engineering. Like, it must have been it must have been written as such. Do you want me to look? Yeah, otherwise they wouldn't have had somebody standing by in engineering work clothes. Right? Uh, wait. What Otherwise, you, it's what, a weird decision by the director to go, you know what, Jordy? Don't hold on to that. We're going to have somebody come by. I need wardrobe to get me this guy and this, and I need a, I need a tiny Star Trek container, please. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, the world of the um, shattered, huh? yeah. I want to get a sample of this down to engineering and run a metallurgical analysis. See, so what am I looking for? Type down to engineering. No, I, I mean I have the scene. Well, I want to know if there's any action line of a crewman coming over. Uh, right before, like no. right when he says, "I want to get it to down to engineering." No, 
What There's a weird no thing. Did that guy win a contest or something? Yeah. Maybe that's Adam Nimoy. <laughs> Let's see. At the top of the scene, it says, what is left of the shuttlecraft is now a junk. Uh, a lot of junk sitting on the deck of the bay. Deck of the bay. O'Brien uh, and a few uh, nondescript engineers are reassembling the components of the shuttle. Okay. Some nondescript some rough engineers. order. Uh, like positioning. That, but that's it. Hmm. All right. Well, this is exciting. Now, t- check check in with Guinan and Rose. I'd rather be doing almost anything other than sitting here and watching you sulk. This isn't some kind of glorious second childhood, Guinan. Our bodies have been violated, changed. Doesn't that bother you? Sure, it bothers me. But at the moment, I can't do anything about it. There was discussion. This is funny too, from the from the Doctor Trek book. There was discussion of leaving Row like this. <laughs> that would have been crazy because because Michelle Forbes wanted off. Uh. I don't even think it went that far as like because of Michelle Forbes. I think it was just like a, it would be like, well, this would be an interesting thing to do if it she would be like really wanted to recapture her childhood and decided not to. I was actually thinking back. that at the end, I was wondering if like that would be a way to like get her off the series if she wanted off the series. But I guess at this point, they didn't know that it was definitely going to go that way. But that's an interesting so, way to get rid of a character. Yeah, but they were like, uh, also, yeah, too frankly, it would have been. It would have been fascinating to keep her as a crew on the, on board. Yeah, if she was just like as much of a you know have have as much attitude as Roe, but it's constantly a child giving you attitude. <laughs> I might as well enjoy it. Enjoy what? Where did you get the idea that being short and awkward is some kind of wonderful gift? There must have been some part of childhood that you didn't loathe. Look. It was a long, depressing period of my life, and I was grateful when it was finally over. I'd rather not relive it. Even the look, the I pause after look, that's mm-hmm. like, that's the way Forbes would do it. A jumper, you know, someone who jumps up and down on furniture all the time. What? You were a jumper, all right. On my the planet, the Bajorans who were jumpers went off the cliffs of Bajor. <laughs> always look so innocent. You think you can turn your back on them? Next thing you know, bam! They're bouncing on the bed. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Most of the time, I didn't even have a bed. But you did have one sometimes, and I bet you jumped on it. I most certainly did not. Yeah, I, I jumped on it when I was anyway. avoiding Cardassian fire. <laughs> you can barely resist the. You know, my father was tortured to death. How does that sit with your jumping theory? Ridiculous. That's right. And don't you dare join me, Rolaren. You don't like jumping on beds. Oh yeah, I can jump higher. <laughs> so. This is delightful, uh, but th- that was the moment where I was like, and I understand that they're shortcutting it, you know, the, because they got to get move on with the plot. But uh, it did seem like a little bit of a stretch since their brains are exactly the same that that Roe would go along with it. Well, I mean, I don't know. There might be something to Guinan being, you know, a 500-year-old Elorian who's like she also, kind of... also jumping on the bed. She's like, ah, oh, whatever. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Although it would be funny. Here, here's here's a turn it could have taken. They could have gone to ten forward, and yeah. just started ripping into Guinan's actual alcohol. 
<laughs> that would be great. In Tennessee. You and I would have written a very different of, episode. Of drunk children. <laughs> uh, okay. And then, like, and then Guinan breaks it to Ro that she's been giving her synthahol the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> It was caught in a molecular reversion field, which caused the structure of the ship to deteriorate. When the field penetrated the hull, it also began to affect the shuttle's crew. When I tried to beam them off, I wasn't able to get a lock, because the reversion field was masking part of the patterns. The transporter only registered part of the RVN patterns. That would explain why the key sequences are missing. Exactly. With those key sequences missing, the transporter reconstructed them as children. If they're right, would you be able to use the transporter to reverse the effects? I think so. As long as there's no reversion field to mask their patterns, we should be able to do it. Also, could we create those effects and create some sort of immortality? <laughs> Let's yes. not worry about that. Yes, we could. Chief, can you adjust the molecular imaging scanners to accept... Bridge to Commander Riker. Go ahead. We are entering orbit around LIGO-7, sir. On my way. We'll discuss this later. Don't you guys say a word while I'm gone. Just stare <laughs> at each other. Don't move forward. <laughs> uh... And then, I mean, this fucking, the, 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 again, the writers also agreed that this was very silly, how quickly the Enterprise was dismantled. <laughs> Taken over, you mean? Yeah, like... Down just, to 13%. I am... Oh, oh, wait, do you mean in the terms of the attack by the... Yeah, in terms of how quickly the Ferengi end up boarding. Yeah. Let's FYI. Uh, Engineering? Yes. Worf, uh, Worf very notably uh, says uh, two Klingon birds of prey incorrectly. <laughs> Hang on, I didn't hear it. What are you talking about? I think when they when they appear. Oh, he says bird of praise. No, he says he says it, he says it the way that everybody else says they should say it, and not you and I. <laughs> Hail, Mr. Worf. We no, say sir. bird of praise. Attempting to. No, we don't. You and I no, have argued. No, no, we are birds of prey. Are you sure? Yes. No, I'm sorry. We are bird of praise. Yes, we are right. bird of praise. Like, yes. the name of the ship is bird of prey. So it should be pluralized at the end of the name. So b- bird of praise. You're always trying to trying to mind fuck me. <laughs> two, two, two bird of praise. Right. So, so it's two bird of praise. Should, he should say bird of praise. And he says birds of prey. Oh, my God. What an asshole. <laughs> Commander. Just lost another thousand listeners. Deep looking fore and aft. Clean on birds of prey. Braille class. Worf, you fucked it up, man. <laughs> you of all people. What do you think of Picard deciding that he's going to just run to the bridge now? We're, oh, because he's, yeah. He's they just can't like, handle this. Oh, it's me. a red alert. I better go to the bridge. We have lost primary life support. Switching to secondary systems. Lock phasers on target. Bearing to port. Phasers locked. Fire. Minor damage to one ship. Its shields are holding. Starboard power coupling is down. Warp engines are offline. Shields. Down to 13%. So just to be clear, you're saying this battle they do it too fast they take out the enterprise too fast i mean it's like the enterprise the galaxy class starship the fucking flagship of the federation is no match for two birds of prey that's it seemed crazy to me too but i don't know if it was sorry bird of praise <laughs> now i'm in my own head <laughs> i don't know if it was a specific kind of bird of praise that we're attacking 
Those last shots took out auxiliary power and emergency backup. It's going to take at least an hour to get more power back online. We have lost shield. <laughs> an hour. We're in the middle of a battle, Jordy. We're going to die. There's heavy casualties on decks yeah. 35 through 40. I am detecting transporter signatures in three cargo bays. We are being boarded, sir. Come with also, me. also, what is it, like 10 of them that they beam on board? It seems crazy that they could take over with that many. Uh, yeah, I agree, too. But again, this is one of those things like they have to do for the story. Right. Put down your weapons! Warp, of course, misses. That's yep. frustrating. I don't know how. He's you... like 10 feet away. Come on. Worf practices with the phaser constantly. Uh, well, you know, in fairness, that, that Ferengi did duck. <laughs> it's so irritating. <laughs> and I mean, a phaser beam is only going to move at the speed of light. So whatever. Computer, deactivate all command functions. Authorization Riker Omega-3. All command functions suspended. This is Morta. We have secured the bridge. Begin transporting all able-bodied adults to the surface. There's like 12 of them, and like realistically, there'd be like four security teams on various decks, armed to the teeth. Yeah. It is It is a little... It's a little... Uh, but you, I guess you gotta do it. You gotta speed the story up, so... Convenient. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Also, like when 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 Data locks out the main computer in first contact, it takes so many key presses; it's ridiculous. Yeah. And in this Riker just Omega three. <laughs> <laughs> now, in fairness, maybe Data's doing it. I'm just going to try to prevent any prime correctives. Uh, Data's uh, spending so much time locking it out because the Borg are more capable at unlocking it than say five Ferengi. <laughs> right. Confidence, then when you know that enough. I'm... Where is the captain of this ship? I'm in command of this vessel, and I'm or, taller than all these people. <laughs> I am Damon Lurie. Even Data, I... the super fast power android who does nothing <laughs> the... ever. Yeah, that's that is the craziest moment when they they clean. get the drop on him and he doesn't just pop all their heads off like lollipops. Also, like, I think it would behoove Data to, like, have, like, a Type 2 phaser under his console. Wouldn't that be true for all of them? I mean, yeah, but, uh, you know, this is the this is the great period of peace for the Federation. They're all yeah, lollygagging so. at this point, you know? Right. Not until the Dominion War rolls around when they're like, oh, fuck, we should probably build some warships. <laughs> Instead, we have all this carpeting. <laughs> everyone all right? No fatalities or injuries among the children. The Ferengi have taken control of main engineering in decks 23 through 37. Well, we have to also assume that they've taken the bridge. Captain, do you know what they've done with the younger children? With my little girl? Well, they're taking all the adults down to the surface. Looks like they're keeping all the children on board the ship. Where was your daughter? In primary care on deck 14. She's probably still there with the others. I wouldn't worry. <laughs> now that we've oh, uh, right. sealed, put a pin in that, let's move on to the rest of the story. <laughs> Wouldn't worry about your toddler. Options? We could flood the ship with anesthesine gas. No, yeah, that's been locked out with the rest of the command functions. Other options? Bartender? Botanist? We could bring them plants? <laughs> mm, I don't think so. We could get them drunk. All right, I'm listening. <laughs> Agreed. 
They might think they don't need as much of their crew to hold the ship. We could use the elements of surprise to give us a tactical advantage. Tactical advantage? Jean-Luc. Look at your team for a minute. We're children. We can't just stay here while our ship is being commandeered. I'm not suggesting that we do. But we can't act as if we were still adults. What do you suggest we do? We look like children. Maybe it's time we started acting like children. Supposed to be one of those poignant Guinan things, and to me, I'm like, I, what is she even saying? <laughs> right, and and frankly, even after the fact, it's like seems like he came up with a pretty complex adult plan. Yeah. <laughs> In business for ourselves, I guess acting like children is they play act like children in order to throw them off guard yeah. and do things. Okay. Yeah. As for your ship, I'm sure that it will fetch. A handsome price on the Romulan market. But before that can happen, we need to regain access to your central computer. You don't really think I'm going to help you? I think that the mines on Liga 7 can be very hazardous. Now, how many people on your ship? 1,014. Very hazardous. Commander. So obviously they play the the Frankie is a little bit buffoonish, so they're never really that much of a threat in terms of killing people. But Which what is, would Riker have done if he started killing people? He would have had to not give them the codes to the ship, right? Yeah. And then he would have probably would have initiated. He probably one. would have initiated the self destruct sequence. Uh huh. Oh, that that would have been an interesting angle. That's just how you got you know, you can't you can't let the ship fall into the Romulan hands. It's the fucking flagship of the Federation, Andy. I'm with you. Well, there's a thousand fourteen people on board. They signed they know what they signed up for. Sorry, kids. <laughs> um the other question I had was that uh, the Frankie and Romulan like because the Frankies and Romulans always are doing this stuff where it's like, well, we're not part of the main Frankie or Romulan group and therefore yeah. anything we do is it's a little bit convenient. convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they made it the Ferengi because they were the least threatening race. Uh huh. So that like you wouldn't have to let you you know all the you wouldn't have to worry about children being able to take them out. Yeah, that's fair. But at the same time, it's also like the rest of it doesn't make sense then. Yeah. Like how they got the ship and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Fucking Alexander. Alexander kind of does his job in this episode. He's the least Alexander in this episode that he's been. Uh, he also, like, somehow... they. I like how they somehow pilot that directly into the Ferengi from from uh, not seeing it. Uh, well, when I was watching it, I was like, they really are just playing with little remote control things in the car in the future. But uh, that's that's what I sort of thought. It was like, well, maybe you can, you know, see into the hall and... Also, maybe, maybe, he made it. maybe he built it. Alexander. Possibly. Would you mind if I borrowed your toy for a little while? Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> That's not the Alexander I know. He would say no. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> no, it's mine. Start fighting with him. <laughs> and, like, I, we also never check in again with Worf and Data during this. Because you can't. Story wise, right. like it just wouldn't make you know what I mean. Like it's a like lot of why a lot they of, haven't 
Yeah. There's a lot of conveniences that happen in this episode to tell this weird story. Wait, didn't they beam everybody down, or they didn't beam everybody down? Yeah, but don't you think you'd want to check in down there with the crew and be like, what the fuck is War? Like, Worf and Data must be hatching a plan or something like that, but that's not the story they're telling, so we don't see it. Yeah. Right. Do you think that Ferengi's like, I'm going to sell that for so much money, that fun toy? I assume so. And also, every time a Ferengi, like, anything is presented to a Ferengi, they always, like, act with it like they're a caveman. Like, yes. oh, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this it model. has substance. <laughs> and it's a molecule. Is it alive? This whole move of uh, Alexander holding up the hypo sprays always annoyed me as a child for some reason. I was like, this, this, this is like, a, even as a kid, I was like, that's a little over the top his very his like excited yes I've got these hypo sprays <laughs> it bo- has bothered me since I was uh, nine years old apparently it's just like what is it holding up a model of a chemical compound mm-hmm. Frankie's like what's this wood toy see look at this I'm surprised that they had Alexander do yes. this and not Poison. (laughs) It could have been worse. It wasn't full Macaulay Culkin. Very true. Um, I guess you got to keep Guinan and Roe together, so you need another kid. But it's interesting they gave so much to do to to Alexander. I'll tell you who does nothing. Keiko. Yeah, it's true. She gets the phasers out of the transporter room with Picard. Yeah. Report? Mission accomplished, sir. The one on sick bay never saw me. Very good. Except for when he chased me out. That's the other thing. He's putting Alexander in danger a couple of times in this episode instead of the adults. I think, if as well, you should know. First of all, there's no adults left in the ship except Riker. But he has Keiko. Keiko can't do... Keiko's not nearly as fast as a Klingon child. Uh Uh-huh. All right. And the other thing is, like, his whole... The whole... The whole thing that... The whole buy that we have to do about um, Molly O'Brien uh-huh. is that these Ferengi don't want to harm the children. They're just fine. So I think Picard's like, ah, he can go do it. He'll be fine. <laughs> Seems like a little bit of a <laughs> rolling the dice with Worf's kid. I'm afraid I can only think of one way. What do you want? I need to see my father. Go back inside. I need to see him right now. Do not argue with me. Go back inside. I need to see him now. Now, 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 now. Stop it, you hurt me. I want my father. I want my father. All right, just stop that. <laughs> Let me go. What if he just vaporized he him? Is. Now be quiet. What is going on? Dad. <laughs> Oh, the farce. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I agree. Uh, I have, I've watched this plenty of times. They're okay, too. But... What's wrong? Well, we don't have anything to do. None of the games are working. I know the Ferengi made Daddy turn off the main computer. Well, can't you just turn on the kids' computer in schoolroom 8? We just want to play a few games. Did you notice that the monitor said Classroom 7? 
No. I did, and it it bothered me. And only on this watch is the only time I've ever noticed that. I don't know if they'll let me Jean-Luc, but I will ask. Thanks, number one. (laughs) He's my number one dad. (laughs) The kid nails it. That is a that is a a really good joke for a Star Trek show, <laughs> and them hugging is is hilarious. They really like that is good comedy in that scene. Bravo all around, I say. Did Commander Riker get the message? He understood. We should have access very soon. Would have been a nice time to bring back the children from the Turbo Lift episode. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You know point. what I mean? Like they have a relationship with Picard, fully accept yeah. him. That would have been interesting too. That's right. Probably too much cash. Do not bring your offspring along with us aboard ship. So they're gonna kill him, starting with him, and then Riker does this beautiful, stupid techno babble scene. At bilateral calolacterals with twenty of those being slaved into the primary Heisenfram terminal. Now, you do know what a bilateral calolacteral is. Now, Frakes is, well, of course I is do. pulling it Human. off, obviously. I am not but stupid. I think when you see him pausing, that's when he's just like, oh, Jesus, what is the next thing? <laughs> yeah, but I also think it's like, it also works for the scene because he's making shit up for the Ferengi. Yeah. No, of course not. This is the isopalabial interface which controls the main ferromantle drive unit. Don't touch that. It'll blow up the entire ferromantle drive. Oh, what? what is, wait, uh, what is a, a, a ferromantle drive? Well, just explain it to me. They're almost packlet level stupid. That is the ferromantle Yeah, which drive. is weird because like their cranial structure, you'd think they'd be super intelligent. <laughs> well, dinosaurs are very big too, core. but... Uh, <laughs> And keeps the Ontario dinosaurs don't have warp drive. KRGs. The ferromatic drive is powered by Classroom Seven. Command lockout has been released. All right, so they figure out how to beam everybody into the force field. The uh, thing of of O'Brien of 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 not O'Brien of um, Roe and Guinan in engineering tagging the uh, Ferengi. Yeah, just like, I, that was uh, for some reason very delightful. The idea of that, the image of that, just children running through the Enterprise. <laughs> oh, it's great! But Playing I do tag. have a question, yeah. which is, couldn't they just scan the Ferengi on board without tagging them? I understand that it's more active, and that's the reason they had them put the comp badges couldn't on. Couldn't they but... just scan the Ferengi with what, like a tricorder? No, with the ship, ship's computer. Just basically tell it to look for the Ferengi on board. Well, then and... you don't have the fun. I understand. I mean, there's so much of this episode that it's like, please suspend disbelief. Please suspend disbelief. Please right. suspend, like, the whole episode. Right. I guess you don't want to have a line explaining, and then you're just slowing everything down. But It's also like, I've been able to scan for all Ferengi life signs. I'm going to beam them all out now. Beam them yeah. into the thing. Okay, sure. let's go tell Riker what we've done. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not as fun. Yes? I found this in the schoolroom. Is it yours? Mm-hmm. The higher, uh, the fewer. 
The higher, the fewer. So, one more time, the Ramistat kiloquat capacity is a function, square root of the intermix ratio, times the sum of the plasma injector quotient. Uh, Riker, you could have done that at literally any moment. <laughs> literally any moment. It is weird. I, why do you think he doesn't stun him just to give Riker something to do? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. I believe you're in my chair. He just, I wish, I wish young Picard vaporized him <laughs> with the face. You think I'm just a child, don't you? Well, we'll kill. see about that. And then Picard <laughs> explained it away like it must have been some reaction. Uh, you know, it wasn't I wasn't in full control. Like, uh, whatever. <laughs> My tiny child like, hands left, hit the wrong you're button. Just left with that moral question that ambiguous. <laughs> Did Picard murder that Ferengi for sitting in his chair? <laughs> it's just like the reverse of that data episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. the most toys. Almost killed Ferengi people. Alliance has quickly disavowed any knowledge of these renegades. With the mining operation closed and our crew back on board. We can now turn our attention to other problems. Oh, that's nice. Space I forgot I process that he was doing the uh, captain's log as a child. Mm-hmm. Energy levels nominal. I'm loading the adult patterns into the buffer. Transposition matrix locked in. That should do it, Captain. And they've put on their they've put on their big clothes again. <laughs> which sure, i think is a very funny touch that the you yeah. know we're gonna resequence your entire dna but uh, don't ask us to make clothes any bigger to the hair. That's a nice move. How do you feel? Also, like, if you really start to think about it and pick it apart, here you go, ready? Yeah. His artificial heart would have been way too big for that poised chest. Oh, good point. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> is there any, also, is there any is there any Borg components, you know, nanobots, anything still I mean, remaining? Seems a little smaller. This is nice. They give uh, grown-up Guinan the the beat with the young bro. Yeah. It's my mother. The funny thing is, I never really drew a picture of her when I was young. It's just, for some reason, I wanted to now. Well, that's the wonderful thing about crayons. They can take you to more places than a starship. It's my turn, isn't it? Only if you're ready. It's not quite as bad as I remembered it. Being a child, I mean. Well, we better get going. Well, what's the hurry? I mean, the transporter will still be there. Why don't you pass me the royal blow? It's 
Some of those pictures Child Row is drawing are insane. <laughs> well, I think that's because Adult Row failed her botany class because she was taking so many Seriously. art classes. Maybe that's what she's hiding. It's like, no, I was really into botany. I spent several years, you know, <laughs> learning how to be a great artist. Uh, all right, Andy. Let's, let's uh, if I, as rascals, let's hear who the MVC might be. No, maybe not in the episode. Um, seems like Picard does a lot. He does. does he do Riker. I mean, look, Riker locks Riker doesn't out command do codes I mean, right you there. Could, you could say that, I guess. And then it's like Crusher and O'Brien are over there solving the medical problem. Let me ask you a question. Is it Alexander? He does like a couple of big things in this. No, it's not his plan. He would have just been in there playing with a toy otherwise. Yeah, but he still pulled it off and he was very brave. He pulled nothing off. He wasn't brave. It's a Ferengi. You hate Alexander. I hate this (laughs) Ferengi situation. I hate that you think he's in mortal danger when he's clearly not. He, he, you know, the the Ferengi could have, you know, zapped him minimally. Uh, no, they're not zapping anybody. Well, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's an inconsistent uh, portrayal of the Ferengi. Like early on, they showed them as much more deadly and terrifying. Um, I would say it's probably Picard. Uh, so you're giving it to twelve year old Jean Luc Picard. Yes. Not uh, adult tw- John nope. Picard. He doesn't do That's anything. a different rating. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'll agree with you. Same MVC for me. All right. We there you go. We sit and watch and then we hang and talk. But the podcast isn't over just yet. How many Andy's does this episode get? Huh. It's interesting. I really did enjoy it. Um, there's a lot of silly aspects. And as you pointed out, there's a lot of things that are sort of moves of convenience but yeah. it didn't bother me in watching it um even when they bumped me uh i think i think i'm gonna give it uh an 8.5 wow that's incredibly high i did not think it was gonna be that high yeah but it's like it is a fun like standalone story well, that's the know. thing. It moves forward. Every, you know, all the things you were sort of saying about, like, the Ferengi coming in late, it's like, didn't bother me. All the stuff that they're dealing with prior to that is part of the, organically, the story that they've set up. And, and they're interesting. interesting explorations. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then I like, so frequently when they set up a problem like this for the ship, there aren't interesting solutions. And there are interesting solutions for everything. It's like, it's fun to watch everything. So, yeah. Yeah, it all plays out. I've watched this episode so many times. It's uh, it's a it's a seven and a half for me. Interesting. Uh, what are you deducting points for? Uh, again, it's like my, the tropes of wharf sucking at wharfdom. Right. Uh, data being misused. Everybody's reaction to them as kids, which I think are all sort of valid points. That they're not there. You know, it's not like a convenience thing that wharf has to get fucking I mean it's like I guess it is a convenience that Worf must go down but like right. at least let him get a shot off <laughs> well he got a shot off he just missed yeah at least let him at least let him hit a Ferengi in the shoulder that Jeez. actually really would that is a good point that if it was just them both firing at him at the same time at least it would have yeah and given the, him something you know, in the Enterprise they really being... don't care like the episode no. you know obviously where it's, they have to take his gun away recently it's just like they do not care about presenting that character as a badass in any way yeah 
So you gotta wait till DS9 for that. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, I mean, there are some there's some things here and there that I think are a little odd, but odd enough to take it down. I think two and a half points, and uh, definitely rewatchable, and I've rewatched it frequently. Uh, now let's talk about an episode that I have not rewatched frequently because I think it's not good. It's Data's Day, so we gotta watch the trailer for Data. Not Data's Day, sorry, <laughs> Fistful of Data. So I get my yeah. Data episode titles mixed up. Uh, I'm all queued up whenever you're ready. Whoa, Q's not in this one. I have got to go to the bathroom so badly, but I am. We're gonna get through this, everybody. And <laughs> well, uh, Matt, it is, your decorum, please. <laughs> I really gotta. I gotta go. All right, Andy, let's uh, uh, hit it in three. Two, one, play. Data's memory malfunction turns a Wild West fantasy into a real oh, live shootout. Episode. My God, you've been shot! Now, with only primitive defenses, can Worf stop a gang of murderous outlaws? Where have they taken my son? And with no escape, can he survive a violent showdown? There's a gunfighter out there who has the speed and accuracy of an android. On Crazy. Star Trek, the next generation. There is you go. That, so is that not a comical episode? Because it it almost seems like the setup make would be, but then it's yeah, all it's very a, it's dramatic. bad. It's just bad. I don't. Re- I mean, I I remembered not enjoying it, and I wish I could tell you more about it. But I'm gonna have to force you to also watch it with me this week. All right. Well, I agree. <laughs> that goes I agree for all of it, you at home. <laughs> you are all. Uh, ordered to watch this episode and then listen to us talk about it next week we'll be here all right ladies and gentlemen you've been great we've been matt and andy and it's time to get out of here that's the wrong one <laughs> disengage <laughs> nice and i can finally figure out how to actually get us out of here oh my god oh, this chief is, o'brien this is, get those transporters chief, working chief <laughs> I don't even know where it went, Andy. You I'm can't leave, my- man. Oh, thank God. You're going to have to wet yourself. Disengage. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone. It's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda. P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.